All right. Thank you, Jordan. You did awesome. Something about acoustic, right? I just love that. So as I said, my name is John Weibel. Um, I have been coming to this church for a long time. I was actually 18 or 19 when I started coming back when it was at Sparta Elementary, which is kind of fun to think about. I was in y'all's stage in life. It goes by quick. Believe me, it goes by quick. Um, I'm just honestly, I'm so excited to be here. Um, it, is, it is just a privilege. I, I get the, uh, I'm actually incredibly humbled to be um, able to serve as an elder at our church. I recently got in, put into that, and it, is, uh, it has been an incredible journey. And getting asked to do something like this, it was like, I don't know, all right, I, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot, see what it go, how it goes. And then I remembered I did VBS for like seven straight years with 500 kids running around screaming and yelling, so this will be easy. Y'all won't, y'all won't come after me too hard. So I'm going to pray for us before we get going. <clears throat> God, I just, I humbly come before you here at this table. God, I'm just so grateful for your never-ending grace. I ask you to use the words that I speak tonight, however incomplete and insufficient they may be. God, just use them to make much of you in your ways. God, I ask that you would receive, bless, and multiply these meager words. Jesus, that through your spirit, you would speak to all who have gathered here. Let these humble elements in your hands become true nourishment for those who hunger for more of you. God, it is in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm excited to be here tonight because I get to talk about something that I have a passion for. Um, I have been, I'm an avid listener of sermons. I love to read different things. Um, and I, I've taken on for, for 10 to 12 years, actually been married 13 years. That's really when it started for me to figure out how to navigate conflict well. It's not that my wife and I are always having conflict, but it is something that definitely happens when you get into marriage. But let's be honest, conflict is something that all of us deal with, if not on a daily basis, definitely on a weekly basis. So my goal tonight, I, I, like I said, I've got tons of stuff I could go over. Any one of these points I could do 25 minutes on. So I'm doing a 30,000-foot view of, of, of a bunch, and I'm going to go as quick as I can. I'd be happy to sit down and talk with anybody at any point if you want to kind of dive deeper on any of these. So my goal tonight is threefold. Uh, the first of all is to get a better grasp on your greatest asset for understanding and navigating conflict in God's way. Second would be to change your perspective to see conflict as an opportunity. And lastly is how to navigate conflict with God's principles as your guide. So getting a better understanding of our greatest asset. Um, we Christians, we are called all throughout Scripture to be about certain things. You know, you see Jesus tell us to be salt and light. You see um, we're called to be reliant upon God. We're called to be the least of these. All of these things are there, and, and there's a bunch. We can go through. It would take a long time to go through all of our callings. But specifically, there, I believe there are callings on Christians in how to handle conflict. And we're going to go, um, I'm going to read through several very quickly. Um, but this, this, thing that this, this thing that we are to be about shows up through Scripture a lot. I'm going to read very quickly. Psalms 25, 9, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Ephesians 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle, bearing with one another in love. James 4, 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with diligence, bearing with one another in love, 
eager to ma- maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And then my personal favorite, side note, anybody do Awanas back in the day? Anybody? Oh, I see lots of heads. All right. So, you know, when I was in Awanas in like fourth grade, Micah 6, 8 came up and I said, that's my verse. And I picked it and that stuck with me. Named my son Micah. So it definitely has something. But Micah 6, 8 says, he has shown you a man what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So I don't know if you picked up on it. The theme throughout all of those is definitely humility. Um, Humility is absolutely our greatest asset when it comes to conflict. And humility, it kind of gets a a bad rap sometimes, especially in our world when you think about influencers and all this stuff that you see out in our world about trying to make yourself. You don't see on ESPN the contract signed by the the least of these in in the contract. You you see the LeBron $200 million contract, right? Like, that's what our culture says. Humility is not something that our culture pushes. And, And humility, I think, honestly gets a misunderstanding, and I, I misunderstood it for a long time. I, I truly believe this, that sometimes people will think humility is, okay, you have to think less of yourself. So you have to, to look at yourself and say, okay, well, maybe I'm not as good as, or maybe I can't do that as well as, or maybe I shouldn't because I just don't think I can do that. That's thinking less of yourself. That is not what humility is. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Okay, and so something to um, really, if you go back to Matthew 5, I mean, that, that's, that's Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, that is going to be where we see a lot of things come in to, to clear view. If you think about it, Jesus has been out doing some ministry, but this is his first big appearance. He has thousands of people. He gets up on a hill. And he opens, I love how my version says, he opens his mouth and speaks. I'm like, all right, he opens his mouth. Um, And that's good, he's not a ventriloquist. Um, So he gets up there, he starts getting after it. And what is the first thing he does in Matthew 5? He does the Beatitudes. Y'all might have known those. You hear the Beatitudes. It's blessed are, and we can probably go through all of that. I'm going to run through a few really quick. Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn their flesh. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. All of those, if you really think about the overarching theme through each one of those, really deals with a humble heart. If you think about it, when you see, when you see God say, the poor in spirit, that's recognizing that you are broken. All of us are broken. That's a recognition of that. If you look and you hear they mourn, that is a mourning of your sin. You're willing to say, you know what, I have sinned and I mourn that sin. Again, that's Humility. And then meekness, man, this is my favorite. Any Enneagram 8s in the room? No? Am I the only one? Oh, gosh. Okay, well, if we don't know the Enneagram, okay, you and me, we're going to talk after. So meekness for me, when I heard it as a kid, I always did, you know, you might know the saying, meekness equals weakness, right? I always thought that. And when I read that, that Jesus calls us to be meek, I went, no, I'm out on that. You know, I'm a competitor. I want to get in there. I want to be the best. I want to go. And that's what I did all through um, high school and college, I played sports. I was always known for striving very hard. And what's cool about meekness is <laughs> that's not what it means. Um, it was really, uh, I was listening to a sermon probably about six, seven years ago, and this pastor starts talking about meekness, and he gave this picture. And I'm just going to share y'all with, this with y'all because it truly did have a huge impact on the way I saw meekness. He said, imagine a stallion. So we're going to picture this beautiful horse, 
insanely ripped, you know, out in the wild, long flowing hair, probably handlebar mustache, I saw that. You know, just looking great, right? You see this horse out there, he's free, he's majestic, okay? So I wouldn't call him meek, I would probably call him a bit prideful, he's out there strutting his stuff, right? Well, what happens when he gets put under a master, right? He gets a bridle put on him, he gets a bit put in his mouth. Now that, that horse then gets trained, he gets, and he changes, right? He, he changes into when his master tugs right, he, he goes right. When he tugs left, he goes left. When he pulls back, he stops. When he gives him a good kick, he runs, right? And that, that stallion submitted himself to a master. Now, is he any less of a stallion? Is he any less muscular and, and just majestic? I would actually argue he's, he's more because he's being utilized for more. And he's been willing to submit himself to his master's callings and promptings. So when I heard that, I went, okay, I can sign up for that. I'll be meek. That sounds good. You know, like I really want to do that. And what happens is when you, when you start to get that kind of running through where humility and meekness starts to make sense, then you really start to do, you submit yourself to God. You submit yourself to his ways. And, and you don't change. I'll argue you become stronger in who you are as a follower of Christ. So those are, those are some keys that I really want us to think about um, as, as we go through that, that, that honestly, when you get into conflict, be meek and be humble, and God will use you, I promise. Um, so the opposite of the Beatitudes, I would argue, is pride, um, and I will say this, as a recovering prideaholic, I can say without hesitation that getting these concepts through my thick, stubborn skull genuinely changed my life. I became a different person, a different husband, a different business partner, a different friend, a different mentor, a different person who learns from people. It changes who you are. And I just encourage us, that is one of the greatest assets you're going to have when you get into conflict. All right, we're going to move to section two, change your perspective to see conflict as an opportunity. So conflict is an opportunity. It's an opportunity every time you get into it. It's either an opportunity to glorify God, to be sanctified, and deepen the relationship with you have conflict with, or it is an opportunity for you to display your flesh. Those are your two options. There's no middle ground. You're going to have a choice there. And what I want is for us to see it genuinely, because I, I know uh, my spouse specifically, she runs from conflict. She's like, oh my gosh, no, I don't want to get into this. As I said before, I'm an Enneagram 8, so I'm like, let's go. I jump right in. And, you know, so I, I, I had to sit here and I had to understand that every time we have conflict, it is an opportunity for me and my wife to grow deeper in our relationship into deeper oneness. Every time I have conflict at business with my business partner, it's an opportunity to navigate it and to grow deeper in our friendship and relationship. Every time in your accountability group, every time you have a roommate, every time you have, every time you have conflict, it's an opportunity for you to display God's goodness. A guy cuts you off on the road, that's an opportunity. Display your flesh or display patience, peace, kindness, goodness. <laughs> and don't do what everybody's thinking right now. All right. So there are a few things. There are either peacemakers, peace fakers, and peace breakers. Okay, I was in the peace breaker category for a long time. I wanted to get in there and I would just, I would get after it. Peace breakers are abrasive, brash. They seek their own, they escalate. Enneagram 8, that was me. Peace fakers, they're the ones who avoid. They go, oh gosh, I, I don't want to get involved there. I'm going to run, I'm going to flee, I'm going to hide. I'm going to pretend like there's not an issue. 
That happens, and I'm telling you, you then end up faking it for long enough that it builds to a volcano, it erupts, and you end up most of the time hurting that relationship so bad that a lot of times it's not actually a relationship anymore. Um, and so I, we want to be all about what Jesus called in the last beatitude is to be a peacemaker. We are called by Christ Jesus himself in his most famous sermon to be a peacemaker. So I, I, I sit here and I just, I, I genuinely believe this. All healthy and deep relationships are marked by conflict. Someone who says that they've never had conflict in a relationship, I'm going to argue with you that you don't actually have a deep relationship with that person because we're all broken. And I want to re-emphasize and refocus on Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore, a prisoner, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called. Remember, that's what Jesus did. He called us. Matthew 5, remember that. He called us with all humility and gentleness, with diligence. I want to go back to that word in just a second. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Diligence, that word... That word was put in there on purpose by the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit. He said, it's going to be work. This is not easy. It is difficult. But you are called to do it. As an ambassador for Jesus Christ, you need to be all about being a peacemaker. You have to work at it, and you have to work hard. I mean, let's be honest, guys. Satan hates us. He hates us. And one of his main agendas is to make you hate others or to be in conflict with others, an unhealthy, unresolved conflict with other Christians. Like that is one of his modus operandi, to make us in conflict because it divides us. And that is something that we, here at the Vista, we take very seriously. If y'all remember the sermon series, Us Versus Them, Austin's right there. I mean, it's reminded of me that we truly strive to be all about resolving conflict, reconciling relationships, and being submitted to Christ and his prompting when it comes to that. So lastly, this is kind of the bulk of our time together. These are things that I've learned listening to several sermons and reading books and different things. Um, and, and the first is going to be to be an ally in conflict. This one was the hardest one for me to get. It's like, how can you be an ally in conflict? <laughs> no, you're on opposite pages. With me and my wife, we actually decided to, we, we use the metaphor of a boxing ring. So that, just bear with me here. Something happens, conflict is coming, you see it coming, you know it's coming. You know, as a husband, you're going to learn. You go, yep, that's coming. And so you, you start to, all right, I'm going to get my box, left glove on, right glove on. What did she say then? Oh, yeah, she said that. Oh, I remember that. I'm going to put that in the back pocket. And then you go, all right, here we go. You, know, you jump in the ring together. And most of the time what we would do is I would walk to this corner, she would walk to that corner, we'd come to the middle, and it, here we go. And then who's going to throw the first? Oh, okay, all right. And we just come back at each other. Not physically, by the way. This is all emotional <laughs> and uh, stuff. Gosh, that sounded bad. I'm not actually, okay, anyways, we're moving on. <clears throat> um, so what happened was over the years I learned that this ally, how can I do that? Well, what we started to do was go, okay, wait a minute. When we see conflict coming, what I and, her, and my wife tend to do is go, okay, we see it coming. We are going to now step in the ring together, and we are going to lock arms. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. We have physically locked arms sometimes when it's a big conflict. And it's just that physical connection to us says, hey, we're on the same side. And we are now fighting the conflict. How can we resolve this in a way that glorifies God? 
How can we compromise? How can we make this work so that our oneness, again, is deeper and more than it was before we entered that ring? So that's the first thing. I was just say, you, when you get into conflict, when you see it as an opportunity, you can get in there with oneness as your goal, and we are no longer fighting each other. We're fighting that, the thief, and we all know what the thief comes to do, right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All right, number two, this is a fun one for me. Identify the fruits, all right? This is a good one. So Galatians 5, I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the desires of flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these work opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you ought to do. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Because I want to, I'm going to pause here. Ready? Fruit of the Spirit. Go. Somebody. Pretty much everybody, right? You see it on the way to go. That's, my, that's our worship leader. He nailed that. Way to go, Jordan. You see it on the banners. You see it in the kids. You know, you, we teach them love, joy, peace, patience. There's literally a song that is the most annoying song in the world in kids' ministry. It is a terrible song. It gets stuck in your head. I'm proud of you. Way to go. You should be in there worshiping, so that's good. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, right? You, we can all name those. Ready? Fruits of the flesh. Go. Drugs and rock and roll. (laughs) Wrong ones. Close, though. It is amazing to me, though, right? We don't memorize those. We don't talk about those, right? Why? Well, that's what I want to talk about. We need to talk about those. Okay, so I'm going to read them to you. This is not an exhaustive list. Paul went exhaustive. I pulled out the ones I think that fit for our conversation tonight. The the fruits of the flesh that are evident. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, and envy. Those are all really applicable when it comes to conflict, right? That's the flesh. If you are seeing the fruit of strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy, you are literally following the fruit of the flesh, and that is in opposition to the fruit of the Spirit. God calls us to be about joy and peace and patience, right? Not to be about jealousy, strife, fits of anger, which I'll be honest with you, I'm, not, I'm the first to admit, when I was in conflict before, those were my fruit a lot of times. Especially the result of conflict ended in dissensions, divisions, envy, jealousy, and strife. Okay, and so what I'm, I'm, I'm saying these things so that we can realize that in verse 24, it goes on, it says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So I got three questions for you as you go into conflict. We're all going to face them. Here's one I want you to ask yourself and the person you're in a conflict with. What fruit marked the start or cause of our conflict? Let's talk about that. What fruit was going on during our conflict? What did we display to each other? And then what fruit came as a result of our conflict? Ask those questions and be honest with yourself and honest with that other person, and you'll be surprised. If you have that conversation, a lot of times you're going to go, oh man, that goes right back to Galatians 5, and I'm in the wrong list. I want to be in the other list. And that's possible. I'm telling you, it's possible. I mean, a quick example would be, let's say roommates get together, there's dishes in the sink. It's been a couple of days, nobody did them. One roommate says, hey, I'm going to do those dishes, but I'm going to go see a movie first. Cool. They go. 
right? Well, one response can be, I can't believe they're going to see a movie. The dishes aren't done. So they go and they do the dishes. The other roommate, right? They do the dishes. What do you think is going to happen when that person comes home? There's an opportunity, right? Some people might be like, sweet, the dishes are done, and walk off. <laughs> uh, and, and honestly, I mean, that's a good response. Somebody might show gratitude. They might show peace and joy, right? Those are, those are responses you can show there. Some people might go home and, hey, why did you do the dishes? Well, I did them because you didn't do them. Well, and then boom, you're just off and running, and you're going to invalidate. You're going to get after each other. Well, you never do the dishes, and you end up at a place you didn't want to be. So think about that. Those, that. As simple as that is, doing the dishes with your roommate, you know, like that's how quickly it can devolve into going into the fruits of the flesh. So if you show joy, if that's your first response, is to show joy, again, I'm, I'm going right back to seeing conflict as an opportunity. My wife calls me crazy. But literally, when I see conflict coming, a smile gets on my face. I know that's weird. But I'm genuinely excited because I get to pull from all of this, our foundation, and I get to go, hey, let's go. I'm getting in the ring with you. Let's go. And we rely on it, and we go through it in God's way. And I'm telling you all, it is 100%. When we do it God's way, we end up in deeper oneness. When we don't do it God's way, there is a division, there's envy, there's strife. It's kind of like he knew what he was talking about when he had Paul write this down, right? All right, we're going to go on to number three. Number three, this is a good one too. All these are good. Okay. Draw a circle around yourself and own it. I love doing this one with people. There's a sermon that was told about a guy. um, I will spare the whole long story, but essentially... He had been, uh, had an abusive father his whole life. And he went to church, became a Christian, and through kind of some different things of promptings, he went and saw uh, a Christian counselor. And that counselor said, hey, do you want to have the relationship with your dad? And he would get angry and bitter and mad. And, and finally, the counselor looked at him and said, hey, name something you did that was wrong to your dad. And he's like, nothing. I didn't do anything. He goes, you never had, like, thoughts of anger against him? And he goes, well, okay, yeah. Yeah, I thought about killing him. I thought about doing everything I could to get out of that house to hurt him. And the counselor told him, okay, you go home and you own that part. You own that 2% of the conflict. You seek forgiveness for that 2% and watch what happens. Now, it could go wrong. It could go bad. But your heart is what I'm concerned about. And so he went home went to his father and started to say, look, I need to seek forgiveness for you. I'm a Christ follower and Christ says I need to forgive. And I was not able to do that. I, I wished harm on you. I wished you were dead. Will you forgive me for that? And that father fell on his face and bawled and cried and sought to re- reconcile that relationship. And that was because that, that young man humbled himself and owned his part. So that's what I want us to get, is when we get into conflict, it goes right back to humility. If you're willing to own your part, even if it's just the tiniest little thing, grab hold of that, draw a circle around yourself, and say, I'm going to fix that. Go to whomever you're in conflict with and say, hey, I need to seek forgiveness for. Fill that in and watch what happens. It works, I promise. I do it all the time. All right. The next one, don't, don't laugh. Ready? 
Don't be a weenie. All right. Y'all didn't laugh. You're actually supposed to laugh. It's a... Okay, anyways, that stands for something. Thank you, Austin. God. Okay. Don't be a weenie when conflict comes, okay? What that means is don't withdraw, don't escalate, don't negatively interpret, and don't invalidate. That's what that stands for. Withdraw, escalate, negatively interpret, and invalidate. This is something that I, I, it is so applicable so many times in my marriage. I, I tend to escalate and invalidate. Enneagram 8 again. That's what I do. My wife, she chooses to withdraw and negatively interpret a lot of times. And so we have given each other the freedom. If you're in a deep enough friendship and relationship with whomever that might, you might be in conflict with, if you want to set these ground rules, I'm telling you, it works. Because then you're able to go, so withdraw. Someone says, look, I don't want to talk about this. I'm out. If they've laid that foundation with you, you can go, hey, look, I think you're withdrawing right now, and I genuinely want to reconcile. That person should, if they're willing to go back to that foundation, go, okay, I'm going to get in the ring with you. Escalate. Be a peacemaker, not a peace faker or a peace breaker. Again, be willing to get in there. Literally, I'm not kidding you. I sat on my hands. As you can see, I moved my hands. When I started getting into conflict, I realized that I, I escalate when I start to get more animated. So I sat on my hands, and it changed a lot of who I was. I wasn't, I wasn't as quick to jump in and interrupt. I wasn't as quick to go, hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You're wrong there. And I, was, I would sit there and wait and patiently wait. And, and it was, it, finally, my wife called me out. I'm like, why are you sitting on your hands? And I was like, I'll tell you later. Anyways, don't negatively interpret. That's another one. Believe the best in whomever you're in conflict with. Choose to believe the best in them. And then don't invalidate. That's the one I'm worst at. I have a point for every point, a counterpoint for every counterpoint. And I will tell you, and it's funny, you don't have to interrupt somebody. You can actually ask a clarifying question. That's what I do. I'll wait. I'll wait for a pause and say, hey, can I ask a clarifying question about that? And the person, whoever I'm in conflict with, will go, yeah, can I finish that shot? Sure, go ahead and finish your thought. And then at the end, they'll stop, and then they'll say, what was your clarifying question? And it's incredible how much that works. Okay, so again, don't be a weenie. And then the last one is we have to learn how to not sweat the small stuff. This one's tough. But we are called to be people who are patient and kind and generous and gracious towards people. We should be, Christians, Christ followers, should be the most gracious, most humble, and most giving people on the face of this earth. Because that's what God called us to do and to represent him by being that. So when it comes to sweating the small stuff, if you can let it go, let it go. That's actually in Proverbs. It says that's a credit to you if you can learn to do that. Now, what, the main question I would ask of that is, how do you know when it's small stuff? Well, it's easy. You're able to not sweat it, and it goes away. If you're in the car driving down the road, and you start to play mental chess with that person, and you have so many good points. I've never lost an argument when I'm driving down the road in a car by myself. I always win. But that's where I started to realize that, ooh, wait a minute. I'm having a conversation with somebody who's not even here. That means that that thing is not small, and I can't get over it. So I need to very quickly go to that person and seek reconciliation. All right, so in closing, here's the points. Humility and meekness are incredible assets in conflict. Be submitted to your master and his ways. Search for his guidance and prompting. 
Conflict is an opportunity. The question I have for you is, what is conflict an opportunity for in your specific life? Is it an opportunity to make more of yourself? Is it an opportunity to own someone? Is it an opportunity to take vengeance on someone? Or is conflict an opportunity to show to a watching world who your king is? I really do pray that it is the latter. Uh, Our world, (laughs) our world is in desperate need of people who are more submitted to Christ and are willing to glorify him when conflict comes along. Be an ally in conflict. Identify the fruit of your conflict before, during, and after. Draw a circle around yourself and own what's inside of that. Don't be a weenie. (laughs) Don't withdraw, escalate, negatively interpret, or invalidate. And then don't sweat the small stuff. All of that means be a peacemaker. All right, I'm going to pray for us. God, you are so good and gracious to us. We ask you to humble us. Help us to seek out the people in our life that we have unresolved conflict with. Give us the courage and strength to go to them and to seek reconciliation. Help us to be humble, to get the log out of our own eye, and to seek forgiveness for where we have sinned. Amen. Amen.